Hey, it's Brandon Laws. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download. If you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're everywhere. And we are beginning to produce a lot of YouTube versions of the episodes. So go check that out on YouTube as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. If you need extra bandwidth for your HR function, payroll processing, benefits administration, lean on Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution so you can earn back your time to focus on what you do best. Learn more at ZeniumHR.com. Today's guest is a returning one, Joe Galvin, the Vistage Chief Research Officer, is back on the podcast to talk about Vistage's Q2 2023 CEO Confidence Index Report. This has a focus on technology, and specifically in this episode, we're talking about generative AI tools such as ChatGPT, and just what it means from a business perspective, how CEOs are addressing it, how they're utilizing it in their business, whether or not they're cautious about it or diving in with two feet. So you're going to learn a lot about what the CEOs out there of small, medium-sized businesses, how they're thinking about generative AI and other technologies that are rapidly advancing. Enjoy today's episode with Joe Galvin. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you back on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for going on. Hey, Brandon. Thank you for having me back. I enjoy sharing uh, the research that we do and the insights we get from our CEO community. Yeah, we're going to be talking about your Q2 2023 CEO Confidence Index report. And you told me like offline that Q3 just closed and you'll have the, all the data behind that in the report. But just quick snapshot, what's, what's the confidence level of CEOs right now? Yeah, the confidence level is is stable, but at a historically low level. For the last 20 years, on a quarterly basis, we've surveyed the Vistage community of CEOs, and Vistage is comprised of small and mid-sized business CEOs and presidents, uh, and we've surveyed them on uh, six core questions uh, to give us a, a real sense of what their thoughts are in terms of where the economy is going. And it's statistically validated that uh, 9 to 12 months out, it's an accurate predictor of industrial production and GDP. So you combine our sentiment data with more traditional economic data analysis, and it provides our community with a, a pretty clear direction of what's going to happen over the next you know, three to four quarters. And that's real valuable when you talk about strategic planning. With that confidence level, are our CEOs, are they reporting like lower revenues and, or and seeing what's on the horizon? Like what's behind that? confidence? There's three categories and six questions. The first is around economic sentiment, looking backwards, looking forwards. And those numbers are about as low as you can get. In fact, the confidence index won't rise until they do. When it talks about revenues and profits, those numbers are down. And I compare that to the 10-year trend of what I call the rising tide decade of the 2010s. They're a little bit lower than that. And you look at, more importantly, investments. Are they, are they seeking to increase investments in headcount? Are they seeking to increase headcount? Those are down, but they're not down catastrophically. So I think we've established a, a new level, a new floor, if you will, 
uh, from which we will ride. And based on the confidence index, it suggests for the next three to four quarters, we're going to remain kind of where we are. And then we'll see, or we hope to see, there are some early indications that we'll start to see a rise late 24. And there's real confidence that the 25 scenario is going to be one of a return to growth. When you have a confidence level that's stabilized the way it has, what does that usually mean in terms of action by CEOs? Does it does it typically mean they start investing and hiring? Or does that mean like they're in wait and see mode until they, they are more clear about where the environment's going? I think it's a little bit of both. I think when you're confident in your business, confident in your marketplace, you invest and you hire people. Following the trauma of the, of the pandemic years, when we saw just incredible swings from bottom to top, back to bottom, uh, we've, we've fallen into this, what I define as a new reality. It's not a new normal. It's not the next normal. This is a completely new reality where we see unemployment rates below 4%, you know, vacillates between 3.6, 3.8. Uh, interest rates may have peaked. Maybe there's another rise coming. And inflation is down but higher. So you've got these new dynamics driving the economy. And, you know, quite frankly, a little bit of post-traumatic stress from uh, the pandemic years. And uh, it creates an environment where there's a fair degree of uncertainty. Consequently, small and mid-sized business CEOs are a little bit conservative of what they're doing. And as soon as I say that, uh, there are some folks who their big challenge is, how do they contain this growth that they're trying to manage through? Where others are like, you know, the bottom's falling out, how do we keep things together? And I think the nature of this economy is one that it's, it's selective in where the pain is, but it also suggests that there's challenges going forward. Personally, what I look at, and again, this connects to the HR space, is workers. When people are working, they're spending money. The consumer drives two-thirds of the economy. Of that other third, half of that comes from the government, half of it comes from business. But if people have jobs, they're spending. And if they're confident that they lose their jobs, they can find another job quickly, they'll continue to spend. But it comes back to that old Ronald Reagan joke, right? A recession's when his neighbor loses his job. A depression's when you lose yours. Well, right now, I mean, except for a little bit of the strikes, no one's really losing their job. And if they do, there's still excess capacity that they can find a job very quickly. It's not like 2008, 2009, if you lost your job, you were out of work for 12 or 18 months and came in two or three levels below. Now it's like a game of reverse musical chairs, right? In 2008, you'd take away a chair and you'd eliminate people. Now we add chairs, but we don't add people. Creates tremendous opportunity for the workforce. And I think that's the foundation as to why we'll see, if a recession, we'll see a shallow uh, and short recession because people have jobs and they're confident they'll have jobs going forward. This report of the Q2 2023, it focuses on technology. Was that extracted from what you heard from CEOs or did you say like, no, technology is important right now. It's evolving really fast. We're going to focus on this. Like what did you hear? Well, our topics are always generated by what our community says. So we're constantly engaged with them. We're talking to them. They tell us what's important. And we move from quarter to quarter based on what the important topics are. And as we came into Q2, there was no question that AI was top of mind for everyone. You know, if we go back and we, we look back to when, when ChatGPT was released in November, uh, all of a sudden you get to the first year and that's all everybody wants to talk about. So there was a tremendous amount of energy and a tremendous amount of curiosity in our community. So we asked a series of questions to get their insights in terms of how they're using it, what they're doing. Uh, we asked some open-ended questions, which is always the most fascinating thing because you'll get seven, eight hundred, a thousand open-ended questions from as simple as we're not using it to full rambling multiple paragraphs of what they're doing. And it's always fun to sort through that and think through what they're talking about and then try to make some sense of that and then broadcast it back to our community. What did you hear uh, when you when you pulled people on whether they're using it or not? Or I, I imagine there's it's, it ranges a spectrum of people who have fully embraced it and have implemented it in, in their business to outlying it. 
and saying, no, nobody's using it? Well, there's a couple dimensions to that, but let's unpack first who's using that. Uh, we found that 20% were actually using AI in some format. So call them active users. There's 23% that are actively testing it and another 21% who are not testing it, but planning to test it. So call that, you know, 44%, call them AI curious, right? And then another 33% are not doing anything at all. So we see that there is a spectrum, as you said, of people that are actively using it or not using it. I think we also need to distinguish between the individual utilization as a tool of individual productivity, how I might use it or you might use it, versus how an organization is gonna leverage AI to gain insight. And it's clear that right now there is much greater energy behind the individual utilization than there is behind an organization's ability to leverage AI. And especially because, you know, our, our world is, is small and mid-sized businesses. Call it, you know, five to 100 million is really kind of the core. They don't have the resources. They don't have the technologies. They don't have the big IT staffs or the budgets to really try to harness the big data and the machine learning that they can. And yet, from an organizational standpoint, those that are using it, are leveraging the capabilities that are built into the technologies they currently have. So if we come back and let's, let's talk again about who's using it and who isn't, of those that are using it, 51% are using it for customer engagement. We look at, you know, from a business optimization standpoint, there's customers, there's talent, there's financials, and there's operations. And that's how we kind of segment things. 51% are using it for customers. Well, what's the big usage? Well, marketing is using it in marketing capabilities, not just to harness the data that might come out of their marketing apps, but for content generation, right? To be able to create and write and research, is, it's all good. Another one is for sales analysis. You know, Salesforce, especially with their Einstein capability and some of the other applications, have really taken the ability to extract that data that, that resides in your CRM system and learn from it. Again, I keep going down rat holes, so pull me back if I go too far. Part of that is the CRM system will pull together all your customer data into one point. That customer data in and of itself is meaningful because it comes from your systems. And you can extract stuff from that. The other half is the variable data that is input by the salespeople who are actively engaging with customers. And that's where the data is really squishy because not everybody uses it. There remains adoption issues. But that's really where the power would be. Imagine if you could harness, you've got 50, 100, or a big company's got thousands of salespeople out there, and you could really instantly pull in what's actively happening with your customers this week, run it through the AI engine and create insights that you could instantly push back out to salespeople. That's incredibly powerful. You know, back in the day as a salesperson, you'd, you'd talk to the other salespeople you trusted to figure out what's going on. But if you could tap into that collective wisdom, uh, that's pretty powerful. But for small and mid-sized businesses, again, it's, it's dominantly with customers. 40% are using it for business ops, which is mean they're leveraging the, the capabilities they have. Maybe it's in the manufacturing floor. You know, maybe it's some form of, of other business operational technology that they're using. And a small percent, 18%, are using it for people. And I think we'll see more and more growth in that people space, especially as we see the talent wars ratchet up when the growth cycle comes. You know, we were, everybody was crazy hiring people two years ago, and that's kind of calmed a bit. But as we move out of this, out of this flat spot and the growth cycle kicks off, the demand for people is just going to explode again. 
Yeah, this AI topic, I think for small businesses, it's like there's like a lot of opportunity and it's probably making them uneasy in a lot of ways too. And probably because of what your point was of implementing it. It's like maybe lack of resources in IT or knowledge. I was just talking to my executive team today. We, we were doing some business planning and we don't have an AI strategy yet, but people are using it in, individually to, you know, whether it's efficiencies, uh, content generation or whatever. And so we were talking about like the effort as an organization to say, this is our philosophy. Here's the recommended tools to use and here's how to use them to your best capabilities. Do you see other small businesses kind of taking that approach or are you seeing something different? Well, you bring up an interesting point because there's a data point. It's not ours, but I saw they said 88% of workers either are using or have tried it in some sense. 69% are afraid to tell their boss about it. Oh, so, so what does that say? That means that people are using this, whether or not they're acknowledging it or not is another thing. And to your point, yeah, there's, there's a fair amount of, of uncertainty and fear, if you will, about what this is and where it's going to go. I mean, we're a long way from Skynet and the Terminator and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's real and it's active. So what we like to talk about, what we, what we recommend is one, let's acknowledge the fact that it is being used. Don't hide from it. Don't run from it. But rather, acknowledge it's being used. And what that means is go out and find how your workers are using it. And, you know, and I think back to the, the day, when, you know, back in the day, when Excel or Word or PowerPoint came out, right? Lotus 1, 2, 3. Initially, it was just the geeks. And that's where AI was a year ago. But as ChatGPT has kind of crossed that threshold, everyone's kind of touched on it. And there's some people that are using it really well and some people aren't using it at all. And what you found is there were people like me who could barely sum a column in Excel and other people were off into pivot tables making me look like an idiot at a meeting. Same thing here with ChatGPT. So the concept is one, acknowledge that people are actively using it. Go talk to your people. Find out what they're using. Find out how they're using it. Establish best practices. And then bring that to the organization. Standardize on the right applications. Different roles, different functions will find different AI tools that will benefit them. Find out what those tools are, find out the best practices, and then train the heck out of everybody. Individuals will learn how to leverage this and how to make this make them more productive, more effective, more efficient, more every buzzword, long before the organization will be able to harness those capabilities. So let's acknowledge what those are, and then let's go train people on it. And I think there's an important thing here behind this is that when, when AI is being used by individuals in the closet, what you have is a real cybersecurity risk here, right? Cybersecurity is the single greatest threat to every business on the planet right now. And I don't want to go on that, to go down that, that path, but when you load information in, when you ask questions, when you share data, you are sharing that with everyone, potentially. So it's really important, as I said to one, Identify what the right AI applications are based on the use case in your organization. Standardize on those tools and build that cyber defense around that. If that means you buy licenses, buy licenses. If you're using an open free chat GPT or whatever, everything you put in there is for everyone to see. And especially if you're building marketing content, if you're doing financials, you think about the implications of that. It's really critical to understand the, the security issues around that. So one, identify what's being used and how your best people are using it and train everybody on that. And then once you have done that, then focus on accelerating your organizational transformation. 
we found through the through the pandemic those organizations, especially small and mid-sized businesses, that were further down the path of digital transformation fared better than those that didn't. So I think that you know the headline here is that this is we are in the very early days, and there's a lot of experimentation in it. But the way to get an immediate boost to your business is to focus on individual productivity. There are people in your organization today that are leveraging this and learning from this every day. Tap into that learning and share that learning. The next thing is by training your organization, you've now created a competitive advantage in the hiring landscape. Brandon, we'd love for you to come and work for us at joe.com because uh, not only do we think you're brilliant, but you know what we do? Apart from competitive compensation, a great job, we're going to train the heck out of you on how to use AI. And just like you're smiling now, you'll smile because you understand like, yeah, I need that. That's a critical job skill. That's like learning how to use a computer was you know, way back in the day and, and learning these individual productivity applications. So by training your people, you not only drive their productivity, you not only create a retention hook for them, but it becomes a powerful recruiting capability to say, look, if you come and join our company, we're going to train the heck out of you on the latest AI tools. This stuff's moving so fast, and I, I fear there's going to be a widening gap of skills at some point and maybe small. I don't know if this has come through in the data or if you have an opinion on this, but I'm curious if CEOs are worried about that, where it's like geeks like me, you said like it was like Lotus back in the day, like these geeks are on AI like in back in November and now it's evolved even that much further. Now I'm one of those geeks. I was on ChatGPT in November I have a pro version. I've been using a thousand different tools. It feels like, and I'm like, I geek out anytime there's a new feature. Like ChatGPT just released an image feature where you can upload. I, I took a picture of my kid's uh, math assignment yesterday and I said, solve these problems. There's like 20 problems on the piece of paper and it, it recognized what was in the image in text, translated it and showed the work and answered all of them. This is how fast stuff's happening. Do you believe that if people don't adapt fast, small businesses as well as an organization, do you feel like there's going to be a widening gap in the competitive landscape where they're going to be wiped out? Well, again, let's distinguish between individuals and organizations. For the individuals, you know, if you're in tech, you know, in some of these industries, you're going to be all over this. But in other industries, if you're in construction, maybe not so much manufacturing, there's different applications and different levels of geekness in every individual segment of the market, right? But I think for individuals, this is a skill set you will have to have. Again, I'm, I go back, I'm a boomer. I go back to when we were hiring people, you know, in the 80s, it's like, do you have computer skills? Uh, not really. Well, we can teach you that. Well, now it's like, uh, what do you mean you don't have computer skills? Go away. So to your point, yes, this will continue to grow, will continue to escalate. It will become a requirement. Today, it's a competitive advantage. If you can use this and you can leverage this, it's a competitive advantage for your capabilities versus someone you're competing with a job for or someone in the organization. But as time goes on, that'll flatten out a bit and we'll see where it's going. At an organizational level, I think we're still a long way from this being really mainstream and especially small and mid-sized businesses being able to harness it. And yet, having said that, the acceleration of all technologies is only going to accelerate. Uh, we talk about, you know, accelerated disruption. Uh, and you think about, you know, the Industrial Revolution took 80 years and the Internet took 20 years. And now COVID changed the most radical change we've seen, which is human behavior change. As everybody now knows how to unmute themselves on Zoom, right? And we'll see the same thing here with AI. It's a great opportunity from an individual standpoint, to build a skill set that is highly marketable and will be a requirement in the not-too-distant future. But it gives you a competitive advantage now. 
I think as a leader, as a CEO looking at your business, how can I turbocharge my people? How can I give them a boost to help them do more, better, faster? And I think also when you when you lay in the components and the dynamic changes of the hybrid workforce, it becomes even more critical that you've got the types of capabilities uh, that keep people connected to your organization. And clearly having that, that AI skill set is important. You know, I, I think back to that old joke uh, where the CFO said, what if we train them and they leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't train them and they stay? We're kind of in between the two where I think in order to get them to stay, you have to train them. And there's no question that AI is the new skill set. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see AI impacting how these CEOs are hiring and training their people? Like, is it going to enter that phase too? I think it will with time. Uh, I think clearly it has become a question of, do you have AI skills? I think as you look to hire going forward, that will increasingly become more of a capability. Uh, I think for people looking to be hired, it's not just what do I bring, but how are you going to enhance and build that? It's still in the realm of, of individual utilization is where we're seeing the biggest bang. And I don't think there's many organizations that have really harnessed how to use it organizationally yet to really make a difference in their business. You know, and you compound that with where we are with the, the sideways economy and, and all the things that have gone on and are going on. It's just one piece of that puzzle that says, how do we position ourselves to capitalize uh, on this at some point in time growth cycle to see how much we can grow our business and improve our valuation? What else on AI, maybe from a perspective of like, if you could consult with these CEOs who are really timid around AI, how do you recommend they approach it? If you know that it's not going away, it's only getting more rapidly, it's going to keep evolving and get crazier. How should a CEO who's on the sidelines right now, how should they approach it? Well, I think one, you have to dispel some of the fear and some of the myth. You know, I had CEOs say, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about the, about the hiring crisis because AI will replace people. And AI is not going to replace people. It's going to augment people. Automation replaces people. So it's more about how do we begin, as we've said before, and we're kind of going back over this, how do we come back and build this as a skill set? So again, to get that immediate boost is how do, you, how do you train up and skill up your folks? And that means a couple things. One, you have to differentiate the multiple types of AI because it's one thing to say AI, it breaks down and you don't have to go very far, very deep to see how it fragments into the different components. So it's finding out what those components are and where they're going to fit. I think, too, you have to embrace the fact that it's far from perfect. Uh, you got to double check and fact check whatever comes out. One of the first things I did was tell me about Joe Galvin. And it rammed out this very elaborate you know, description that had nothing to do with me. There was a little bit here and a little bit there, and it's not exactly. So I think there's there's a fear factor around that. But I think the trepidation has to be put aside and recognize that not only is it a boost for the productivity of your people, it also becomes a powerful retention tool. Because one of the things we know about the millennials and now the pesky Gen Z de, uh, generation is they don't want to work with old technology. Nobody wants to spend time on an SQL forms-based 2001 type thing. They want to learn. They want to be on Salesforce. They want to be on workplace apps. They want to be using AI. And if you're not providing that, again, in this environment where people can change jobs more quickly and eat more easily than ever before, uh, if you're not providing that, it becomes a risk to your workforce and it'll impact your retention rate. So I think part of this is, is getting over the fear factor, but to recognizing that this can be a competitive advantage with your folks 
or a disadvantage that will be used against you. Because again, this, the, the current generation, the workforce, they all want to be using the most latest stuff. And again, I, I don't want to, I want to make sure I emphasize this enough, the security issues behind it. Choosing to ignore it, taking the head in the sand strategy uh, is one that will ensure that A, people will use it, and B, your data and whatever they put into that is fully exposed. So for example, you mentioned you put in your, your kid's homework. Uh, well, what if you wanted to do a, a picture? So you loaded you know, dozens of pictures of your kids and your family. And that's really cool because it generates a real cool thing. But now all those pictures are out there in the open world. And uh, you know, the chances are one in a zillion, but we know there's bad actors out there. So you always have to be conscious of the, of the security implications behind it. And I think too, they, uh, I think CEOs get a little put off because they think about it organizationally. How can we as a company leverage big data and machine learning and gain all these insights? When especially if I'm a smaller, mid-sized business, I've probably been making insights, decisions dominantly by, by my instincts and my judgment. And now all of a sudden I've got this pile of data coming in telling me to do different things. That can be intimidating. So the behavior change aspect of this is probably one that CEOs need to recognize first. One, regardless of where they are or how they think about it, this is coming in and they need to open up and embrace that it's happening. Understand, as I've said before, that individuals will figure this out long before you will as an organization. So embrace that, accelerate that, leverage that, and then double down and accelerate your organizational transformation. You know, technology is the change agent of our generation. When the historians look back, they'll equate technology with the discovery of fire, steam, electricity, fossil fuels. It's an incredible time that we're living through and that we will be living through. And AI is just part of it. And, and the last thing I would say is don't believe the hype. Newspapers, columnists, magazines, they're all, all driven by clicks. And, you know, sexy headlines and, and big threats and huge opportunities are going to generate clicks, but it doesn't necessarily mean that translates to reality. You know, people remain the fossil fuel of your growth engine. Power up your people, give them the tools they need, and generally good things will happen. Absolutely. Now, before we leave, uh, let's step back out a little bit on, on this report and, and just give me some insight on our CEOs thinking recessions looming and, and preparing for that. Uh, what, what's the just overall sentiment heading into this next year? I think the overall sentiment is, is consistent of, of a soft landing. And again, I think there are sectors, if you've been in housing, if you're in commercial construction and industries connected to that, you're probably feeling some pain. Those are clearly already into a recession. Uh, there's other aspects, technology, professional services, you know, obviously the healthcare industry, those are all thriving. So I think the, the sentiment is one of cautiousism, if that's actually a word. And it's interesting because if you look back over the last four quarters, you know, GDP has averaged around about two. And if you look at GDP over the rising tide decade of 2010s, it averaged about two. But what gets caught up is, is the, the headlines of, you know, recession. I mean, the, the media has been predicting a recession for the last two years. And all we've seen is, you know, it's pretty stable, solid growth. And uh, I think we'll continue to see that. Obviously, the, you know, there are some factors coming into play that will make 2024, I think, a, a soft you know, flat, maybe a slightly down year. But I'm also, I'm an optimist by nature, but I think too, we'll see a real pivot towards growth as we move into 25, 26, and 27. Uh, assuming there's not that next black swan out there. You know, a prolonged government shutdown uh, could create serious issues. Uh, we haven't seen the, the massive layoffs yet. Um, or, you know, the, the auto worker strike is an example. If that were to stretch out or to spread, you know, there's always demons hanging out there that can come in and change the rules. But I think if you look at normalizing things and you, you try to take the black swans out of it, uh, we're going to continue moving sideways. 
And, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, you said you had, you had young kids. Well, I'm sure when you went on a driving vacation, you heard them say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? All the time. Every five All minutes. All the time. Well, if you were to listen to the CEO community, they say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is the growth cycle here? And the answer is no, it's not. Uh, it's coming, but it's not. And I think that's probably the headline of our survey is that there's real concern about the state of the economy driven by interest rates, which raises cost of capital, access to capital. But again, I think the smart CEOs learned, should have already knew, but everyone learned that lesson during the pandemic, the importance of having access to capital, managing your debt. And you, if you weren't, you didn't have to be very smart to lock in your line of credit and to make whatever loans you wanted to make back when interest rates were effectively zero uh, before they're raising now. And it'll take a while for those interest rates to come back down. Inflation's going to settle at a level that's going to be above the 2.0 goal. Uh, but I think that's that's part of a, of a healthy growth economy. And I think the single greatest factor is, to me, again, is workforce engagement, workforce involvement, and uh, a leader's ability to retain their people and to have them engaged, that they are connected to the purpose of the organization and that their work is valued and they're connected to something of a higher purpose than themselves. So we've been talking about the Q2 2023 report. We'll put a link in the show notes for this. But if somebody's listening to this conversation for the first time, they're like, I've never heard of this report. They download it, they read it. What should they do with it? Like a business leader, CEO, if they read all this data, they're hearing this conversation, what, what do you recommend they do with it? Well, it's important to understand this is sentiment data. These are the opinions of CEOs. And what's really powerful about our survey, we just closed our Q3 survey. And our Q3 survey had over 1,500 CEOs. Now, I've been a, I've been a researcher for over 20 years, and you get three, 400, you're, you're doing good. Well, I get 1,500 responses, and I know they're CEOs because they're our members. They're our members. We know they're CEOs. We can segment them by revenue, by employee, by vertical, by zodiac sign. We get a huge amount of data from people we know are CEOs. When you combine what CEOs are thinking and feeling, with the hard data that comes from economists, you now have got this really composite view of where we are, both in terms of what actual CEOs think and what the hard data says and projects. And that gives you a platform to make better decisions. We think that CEOs are in the business of making decisions. And the better information you have, the better decisions you'll make, the better you'll position your business to grow. Because you know, we, we count on CEOs to make great decisions that are gonna benefit their companies, the people that work for them, and the communities that those people work in. You know, small and mid-sized business, two-thirds of workers work for small and mid-sized business. We know that the headlines go to the big companies, Amazon's doing this, and, and Google's doing that, and GM's doing this. Now, it's that company down the corner that hires the people, that keeps those people employed, that drives our communities. And that's the power. It's, uh, small and mid-sized business are the backbone of the American economy. And our report captures the sentiment of the leaders of that community. Joe, it has been a pleasure having you back on the show. I appreciate you. Where can people connect with you or learn more about Vistage if they want to become a member? Uh, I invite everyone, anyone to connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I, I publish content and promote content on a daily basis. It's always connected to what the small and mid-sized business CEOs have told me. It's really important. If you go to Vistage.com, uh, it's real simple. And you go to the resources, you'll get to the confidence index, both our confidence index for all, but we also do a small business one for companies with revenues of 20 mil or less. Uh, and you can find that content. We believe that we want to help all CEOs make better decisions. So our content's always available. There's no gates on it. And we've also recently launched an AI Resource Center. This is a really powerful tool. The AI Resource Center is where we share our data. 
It's where we aggregate the content that we find that's most relevant. Uh, we just did a webinar with three of our members last Friday uh, talking about how they're actively using this on a regular basis. And this is all available to folks. You just have to go to thisis.com and then do a search on AI Resource Center and, and it'll all be there for you. Again, we want to help all CEOs make better decisions, become better leaders, and get better results. My guest today has been Joe Galvin, the Chief Research Officer of Vistage. Joe, thanks for coming on the podcast. Brandon, thank you very much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.